running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your host, Jerry Napoleonello. All right, Running Up the Score. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. Let's get into it. We got the Johnny Manziel Netflix Untold. We got the quarterback show that I want to get into. What is your dream three quarterbacks to be seen on that show for this season? And we have Hard Knocks episode one, and I want to get into that as well. But we got the AFC West, the NFC West division previews. So that's coming up. But first, let's start off with it. Hard Knocks episode one. What did we learn from episode one? Uh, I will say, first of all, the first about 15 minutes is all about Aaron Rodgers. And I probably, out of the hour, I would say about 45 minutes is all about Aaron Rodgers. And rightfully so. The guy's one of the greatest. Uh, And what he brings to the Jets is unbelievable. And I've said this over and over again. I've said this over and over again. Back in the offseason, I even said it before the season ended. I said, if the Jets were to get Aaron Rodgers, they are a Super Bowl contender. And when you're watching... Episode one, that's the feeling that you're getting. Like you're getting that, all right, something special is going on here in New Jersey. Yeah, I said New Jersey. How do you like that? Um, but yeah, like, I, I mean, it was, it was a fun watch. It really was. You know, you have, you have guys like Sauce. You have guys like Garrett, uh, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. I mean, that team altogether, they got Solomon Thomas. I mean, Quinn and Williams. The team is stacked. It really is stacked. The one thing that they were missing was a quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers is that guy. If you're going to get a quarterback, that's the guy that you want. I mean, what's the, like, what's the chances of getting a guy like Aaron Rodgers later in the season? Uh, later in, like, his career or, you know, just you know, a couple of years in, you know, like you, you look at the Tampa Bay getting Tom Brady and getting the one Super Bowl out of it. But hey, they got the Super Bowl. That's what the Jets are hoping for with Aaron Rodgers. And it was a fun watch. Like I said, it, it, was, it was really a fun watch. The fact that, you know, you have Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson going at it in practice. I mean, that's only going to help each other. So that's huge. I think bringing in Nathaniel uh, Hackett, I mean, that's that's a good move, especially that he's been with Aaron Rodgers for most of his career. So I just, they got something special going on in that Jets organization. Now, are they are they Super Bowl bound? I, it, I've said this over and over it, through these previews. The AFC is stacked. It is stacked. You have Patrick Mahomes, who is five years into his career, 
every year he's gone to the AFC Championship. And he's got two Super Bowls, three Super Bowl appearances. That's that's absurd. And that's who you have to go through to get to the Super Bowl if you're the Chiefs, if you're the uh, the Jets. That's absurd. Then you add to the team, the two teams that are in your division already. The Miami Dolphins, who I think will be better as long as Tua can stay healthy. And the the Buffalo Bills, who are known to be one of the best teams in the league. So the AFC is going to be a lot of fun this year. And you hope that this whole hard knocks doesn't hype up the Jets too much. That's, that's what you're hoping. But you never know. Because I got hyped and I'm not even a Jets fan. So, episode one hyped me up. I loved everything about it. Aaron Rodgers is is a nut job. I never... So, this is the way it, it goes with Aaron Rodgers for me. I hated Aaron Rodgers when he was with the Packers. Mainly because the Dallas Cowboys could not beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. No matter what. They just couldn't do it. So... There was a hatred for him through that. But then um, when he was outspoken about what was going on throughout COVID, I started to to gain a little bit of a, a likeness towards Aaron Rodgers. And it, it's funny because you look at it and he's hated through the media. And the the black cloud that the media brings with, with Aaron Rodgers, it it's funny. And then you, you watch finally, you know, the episode of hard knocks and you're like, I mean, he seems like a good dude and he seems like a good teammate. Where is all of this coming from? So that's why it's just, it's funny to, to see that kind of thing. Also another episode on Netflix the actually it wasn't an episode. It was a, a a documentary. I wouldn't say movie, but it's an hour and a half. Johnny Manziel Untold on Netflix. Now, my initial my initial feeling on this show documentary, or whatever. You don't realize how good Johnny Manziel was. That's the craziest thing. Is you don't realize that guy was unreal and then you add the fact all right now I don't condone his partying or his drinking or his drug use anything like that I don't condone that I'm the total opposite of it but the fact that he was able to do all of that okay and not watch Tate because it was funny when he was with the Browns they said he never watched tape mainly because they looked at his his minutes of use on his iPad and it was zero that was unreal that he was able to do everything that he did you know and not that he was good with the browns he was not good at all but i'm i'm more so saying like with texas a&m like 
if he's not doing that in the NFL, he's obviously not doing it in, in college. So I thought it was hilarious that he was able to, you know, go out, drink the night before, do whatever, come out the next day, put 40 up and put 120, uh, you know, on his feet and another 200 in the air with like four touchdowns. So to me, like you don't realize how good he was. And if he only put, you know, just any kind of oomph into being a quarterback, he could have been really, really good. Really, really good in the NFL. So altogether, I thought the show was really good. You know, just the fact that he was able to just tell all. Like, it was it was tell all, basically. You know, that he's selling autographs in college to make money. He, you know, basically tells the whole lie that he told, you know, and then just everything. I mean, the fact that he even spoke about, you know, taking his life. Like, that's crazy. And I like, honestly, I don't know if Johnny Manziel has, you know, really collected himself and and gotten better like right now but it seemed like he was on the right track towards the end of the the documentary so you're hoping that this guy you know can really get it together in terms of the hobby you know there was a lot of you know documentaries or shows and stuff like that have had an emphasis on the hobby like it, it had some kind of you know basically the hobby really reflected the show so basically if a documentary came out about a guy all of a sudden his card prices would go up through the roof then we started to see a, a, a leveling out like it never had any kind of bearing on the pricing but in terms of Johnny Manziel, I've been looking up, you know, just because I, I watched the the documentary and I was like, you know what, this guy was really, really good. And honestly, I, I wouldn't mind having, you know, a couple of his cards just because, I mean, it's, it's just a collectible kind of thing. So I was looking up, you know, a couple of his cards and his cards are actually really, really expensive. You know, I was looking at some of, he has, um he has these, inscriptions so leaf came out with these cards called leaf inscriptions so it'd be a card and the athlete would sign their name and then put an inscription on it and johnny manzel had a a couple of them and one of the the ones i I offered somebody on ebay basically his inscription was i never gave a fuck and i still don't so you know, that one was cool. Then there's one that says Johnny fucking Manziel, uh, Johnny fucking football. I mean, um, you know, then you have one that says money Manziel, you know, it's, it's cool. And and it's something that I, I just kind of want to collect. You know, it's, it's one of those guys that, you know, it, it's pretty cool. So in terms of the hobby, his hobby prices have gone up. And rightfully so, because you you watch the show and you're like, wow, this, I don't know 
don't know why I don't remember it. You know, like he obviously he's his NFL career was horrible and you know, just nothing ever good came out of the NFL career of Johnny Manziel. So that's that's why he you don't you don't really remember it. But his first year at Texas A and M for what he did as a freshman, that's that's pretty insane. So um, and then also the, the show, uh, quarterback, I thought that was a great show. I liked it a lot. Um, you know, and I don't really, you know, obviously I'm, I'm trying to collect, you know, I'm trying to PC Patrick Mahomes and I'm working on getting, one of his rookie cards and obviously they're very expensive so I'm saving for one of those rookie cards so you know I, I've been following Patrick Mahomes because I, I I wish I don't know if I said it on the air I know I said it to a couple of people back then when he was still the backup to Alex Smith I said I, I remember watching because I think at the time I was working at Sirius XM and I remember because we had to work the preseason games I remember watching his preseason game and he came in and he kind of lit it up and I was like you know what this kid is actually pretty damn good so I kept saying like this guy I kept telling people like this guy is going to be very good not obviously I didn't think that this guy was going to be one of the greatest to ever do it like basically he's on pace to be but I was just like, this guy's going to be good. And this is, and I wish I was in the hobby at the time because I'm like, I would have been all over uh, his cards because right now I'm all over Matt Corral. I am all over Dorian uh, Robinson. Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, who else am I on? I do like Anthony Richardson a lot. And I'm trying in the process to start getting into Caleb Williams. I'm pissed because at the time I ended up opening up a box or two boxes of Bowman Chrome University or Bowman University Chrome. And I ended up because at the time they had the, the bounties out for the one of one um, Bryce Young, the one of one, I think it was oh the one of one CJ Stroud and then the one of one Caleb Williams and I ended up in the two boxes I ended up pulling actually out of one box I pulled two Caleb Williams um autographs and I just at the time I was just like you know what I might as well strike while the iron's hot and I sold both of them right away I got a decent amount for them but now I kind of look back at it and I'm like, I'm looking at some of these, the, uh, the reports coming out about Caleb Williams, basically saying that this is the, the best QB prospect since Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck was probably the best quarterback prospect, you know, basically what they were talking about leading into the NFL that basically ever you know, you could think of. So the quarterback uh, show, 
I mean, it followed Marcus Mariota. It followed Kirk Cousins, and it followed Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes ends up winning the Super Bowl. Great per, uh, great guy to have on the show. And I know a lot of people were kind of indifferent about him. Now, looking at this season, it, you know, you're starting to see a lot of um, some of these players rejecting the show. Now, I kind of, basically what I I wanted to get into is just the dream three. Like, who would you want from this year to be on that show? And honestly, I would love for Trevor Lawrence to be on it. Although, Trevor Lawrence did reject it. So, he's out. Uh, I would also love for it to be... I mean, I would like to see to. I'd like to see Dak. I think the show would actually only help Dak because I think people just look at him as, you know, he's a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't like him. That's how. That's how it is, and it, it's hilarious because you know he did have a bad season last year. I will say that. Yes, it was a bad season. You know, he had 15 interceptions. Was tied for the the most in the league. But that's not the kind of quarterback that he is. And that's why I laugh when people are like, oh, well, he's terrible. Oh, he's an interception machine. If you're saying he's an interception machine, if you're saying Dak Prescott is an interception machine, you don't know football. You don't know football and you don't watch football. Because Dak Prescott is in the top 10 of interception ratio. So... It's like, it's hilarious that, you know, it's just, it's only because he has a star on the side of his helmet. And it's, it was the same thing with, with Tony Romo as well. People love to hate the Dallas Cowboys. With the Dallas Cowboys, you have, you, you absolutely love them or you absolutely hate them. So no matter what. People are going to look at, you know, they're going to cherry pick videos on on social media, which are funny altogether because people are only posting the videos of his interceptions. That's the only thing that you're going to see. You're never going to see, unless you're following the Dallas Cowboys, you're never going to see anything good coming from Dak Prescott. Then you have the other idiot, LaShawn McCoy, who goes to the... He went to training camp finally because he's been talking all this smack about the Dallas Cowboys. He's been doing it since last year. He talks out of his ass. That's the funniest thing. He talks out of his ass and he did it on national television because I think he he was on one of the shows. I, I don't know if it was The Herd or it was the Rich Eisen show, but they asked him about being at training camp with the Dallas Cowboys and he said that they looked really good. They looked, you know, amazing. They look like a top three roster in the league. And then he goes, Tony Pollard looked great. The funny thing about that was Tony Pollard wasn't on the field when LaShawn McCoy was there. So you're lying <laughs> on national television. So the fact that people listen to LaShawn McCoy is hilarious 
but I think the show would help Dak just in the light of like to see his everyday motions and to see what he does on a daily basis. I think people would start to change their mind about it uh, with Dak Prescott because he does a lot. And he's one of the best leaders because, of course, you see the the one video with Trayvon Diggs telling him to shut his bitch ass up. I I mean, honestly, did nobody watch? First off, does nobody watch Hard Knocks, A? Does nobody watch the show on Amazon that follows the team for the whole season, B? And C, do you not see any other, like, videos from practices Players like to talk shit. If you played a sport, whether it be in high school, college, whatever it is, maybe even on the pro level, you talk shit. Athletes like to talk shit. Period. That's what they did. They were talking shit to each other. But again, it's the Dallas Cowboys. And it's Dak Prescott, so we're going to make a big deal about it. Because three days prior to that, Travis Kelsey punches one of his teammates. You hear maybe a five-minute story about it. Dak Prescott and Trayvon Diggs getting into it, you hear for a week straight. Because that's what people want to hear. They want to hear that there's things going on that are not good for the Dallas Cowboys. People know what, you know, they know what baits people to click. It's the Dallas Cowboys and something bad. That's why whenever you see an, uh, a, a football player that got into, a tr- got into trouble but has played for five different teams, three different teams, but one of those teams with the Dallas Cowboys, they're always going ch- to cherry pick the Dallas Cowboys out of that. They're always going to say, Former Dallas Cowboys blank got arrested for this. That's all. But meanwhile, their last, their last team, not even mentioned. You know, say it's a Washington Commander. Yet he played for the Dallas Cowboys two teams ago. He gets in trouble. Not former Washington Commander. No, 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 no. You're gonna see former Dallas Cowboy. It's hilarious. That's what people do. People know what gets the clicks. People know what gets the views. It's the Dallas Cowboys. And that's why I laugh when people say, this isn't America's team. Seven point something billion dollars. That's what they're worth. Whatever it was. I don't know the exact number. But they're number one. That's the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are clickbait for everybody. So, yes, I would I'd like to I'd like to see Dak in it, but um I'm trying to think of another quarterback. You know, I would love to see um I'd love to see Desmond Ritter be on it. Josh Allen would definitely would be one of those guys that I would love to see on it. I mean, I would love to see Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, and Joe Burrow. 
Like that would be this year. That would be great. I mean, if we or even Justin Herbert. I mean, that would be if we were to do Burrow, Josh Allen, and Justin Herbert. That'd be insane, insane. So th- those are my dream quarterbacks for the quarterback show on Netflix. What are yours? Leave it in the uh, the comments. Uh, you know, tweet it at me. DM me on Instagram. Comment on twi- on uh, on TikTok. Whatever it is, I want to hear what your dream quarterbacks are for the quarterback show on Netflix. Now let's move on. Let's move on. Running up the score, NFL preview, AFC West. We'll start off with Los Angeles Chargers off-season grade. We're gonna give them a B as the Chargers, you know, prepare for you know life with the uh, with a very very expensive quarterback. They were kind of quiet, obviously uh, on the free agent front because you're spending this kind of money on your quarterback. So it's going to be, you know, a little tight when it comes to money uh, to spend anywhere else. But bringing back right tackle Trey Pipkins uh, on a three-year deal was huge. The most significant offseason transaction, though, when we're talking about the Chargers, was bringing Kellen Moore. I, I, listen, I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I've watched every Dallas Cowboys game since the late 90s because I was a little young. I've watched Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator for his whole career with the Dallas Cowboys. I think Kellen Moore can be something special. With the Dallas Cowboys, he would show signs. And that's the thing. Like, you know, a, a lot of people were kind of on the fence with with Kellen Moore because, you know, you can see, like, all right, wow, Kellen Moore could be one of the best offensive coordinators in the league. And then all of a sudden, the next drive or the next game, you're like, what happened to it? You know, we just saw unbelievable plays that we never saw before. And now we're back to the same old plays. Like, what's going on? Why do we look so stagnant? And that was my issue with, with Kellen Moore. My Kellen, like, Kellen Moore, it would just be like, all right, we're going to run the ball. And they would run the ball twice, and they wouldn't gain any yards. And then it was like, all right, well, the run's not working. Let's go to the pass. And he would just go, like, that was the thing. If something didn't work, he just went right away from it. And especially when it comes to the run game, like, you have to, like, keep it going. Like, that's, especially with the Dallas Cowboys, they're they're formed to be a running team. So that was, you know, that was just one of the issues that I had with him. You know, altogether, I think he could be a really, really good offensive coordinator for the Chargers, a young team, young quarterback, uh, a special quarterback, to to really be honest, I think he could be a special offensive coordinator, and I think they might he might take the Chargers up a notch. You know, I think this team, the Chargers, and I've said it for the last two years, this team is special, or at least they can be special. But there, it's just. One game that you're like you're looking at the team and you're like, 
holy crap, this this is a dangerous team. And then the next week, they fall flat on their face, and you're like, what the hell happened? So that's why, like, I'm a little worried in terms of Kellen Moore, in terms of that fact. Like, this team is already inconsistent, and then I feel like Kellen Moore is a little inconsistent, to be honest. But I think he has more of the reins um, with the Chargers. I don't think he really had that much of control on what he called with the Dallas Cowboys. So that's why I'm interested to see. But I think it was a good move. It was probably the best move that they made in the offseason. NFL Draft Recap. I'm going to give them a B. Uh, The Chargers didn't do anything spectacular, but added uh, a couple of solid players who should contribute this year. Uh, Linebacker help with Tuli uh, Tupolotu and Diane Henley. And then you add Quinton Johnston, who already in camp has been making big plays and is one of, if not the number one target for Justin Herbert. So his after-the-catch ability, you know, already for a team that was kind of missing that uh, over the past couple of years, his work um, a little suspect at the catch point, but he has the size and uh, the frame to be a force definitely in that area if he works on it. Free agency recap. C-. minus. Uh, it's been... As I said before, uh, a quiet offseason for the Chargers uh, after spending a lot last year and then, you know, bringing, you know, giving that contract to Justin Herbert. Um, Eric Kendricks is really their only addition and obviously will be the starting linebacker. So that was that was a good move. But altogether, they really didn't do much. So, you know, being that they only signed one guy. I gave him a C minus. Will they make the playoffs? Yes. That's, yeah, that's, that's definite this year. Contender or pretender? I really do think they're a contender because I felt like they were contender the last two years, but they just keep falling on their face. So that's that. 2023 season outlook. I'm expecting them to be exactly what I thought they should be. I think they're going to be that team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I think that their offense, just Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is a special, special quarterback. He really is. He has the tools to be one of the best. And I think this year he's going to show that on a consistent level. I think the Chargers are going to show it on a consistent level. Because if they don't, I can tell you right now, Brandon Staley's out. Because he was already one foot out this last, you know, this offseason. Because it's getting to that point where, you know, how much can you really, how much more can you really take in terms of the Chargers and dealing with Brandon Staley? Because he, a lot of the times last year, he, it felt like he was out coached uh, in a lot of games. So I'm expecting this year for them to be better. What are the odds? Over under nine and a half wins. I like them at nine wins. This is going to put them in the second place spot in the AFC West. Plus 290 to win the division. Plus 1300 to win the AFC. That's seventh best. And minus 105 to make the playoffs. That's 15th best. Denver Broncos. Offseason grade. I am going to give them... An A-. Obviously, the biggest news of the offseason 
was them trading to pick up head coach Sean Payton from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, this team really was a mess last year. It really, really was because we were, you know, as we've said over and over again, we were expecting the AFC West to be undoubtedly the best division in the league because you had a team like the Chiefs, who are the Chiefs, a team like the the Chargers, who are a special, talented, young team, and then you had the Denver Broncos, who added a Super Bowl-winning quarterback, one of the best in the league, or so we thought, going into that season, and, you know, just a special offense as well because, you know, they already had a good defense. Then you add Russell Wilson to a team that has Jerry Judy, you know, and even Javante uh, Williams. I, I just this team felt like it was going to be a lot better. This division felt like it was going to be a lot better. And it just, it just wasn't, it it wasn't at all. They were terrible. Russell Wilson was terrible. The, the unfortunate thing about getting Sean Payton was that obviously they lose a first round pick. Um, but that's, that's what you get for getting a quarterback, uh, a, a head coach uh, of the stature of Sean, Sean Payton. But their biggest offseason move was getting Sean Payton. So there you go. NFL draft recap. I'm going to give him a B plus after, you know, obviously not having a first round pick. Denver made some uh, solid picks, even going by their situation. Marvin Mims has a chance to make an impact this year. Unfortunately, that kind of means the departure of somebody, uh, in, you know, in that wide receiver room. Um, and they did address the uh, the defense pretty well with uh, Drew Sanders and Riley Moss. Free agency recap. I'm going to give them an A. Now, obviously, it kind of seems like the Denver Broncos fixed their problems. You know, Sean Payton, obviously a big upgrade over Nathaniel Hackett. And then they brought in some offensive linemen to fill the void. Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers were brought in and it'll give uh, Russell Wilson probably a little bit better of a fighting chance this year. So um, they also did do a good job bolstering up the defensive front uh, that had a lot of issues again last year. The loss of Draymond Jones hurts, but Zach Allen uh, was signed to help fortify that group. Will they make the playoffs? This team to me is more of a, a bubble team because it's contingent on what Russell Wilson we're going to see this season. Because if we see the Russell Wilson that we saw last year, it's going to be a rough season again for the Denver Broncos. And at what point do they look for another quarterback? You know, there's going to be guys out there because you look at the the situation that's going on in San Francisco Trey Lance is going to have to go somewhere if he's not the starter. You can't take a guy in the first round and the number three pick and just have him on the bench. It just it can't happen. So there's going to be guys out there if Denver is having problems with Russell Wilson. Um, just you hope to either, if you're going to see it, you hope to see it early rather than later contender or pretender. I have them again, another on the fence team. They could be a decent team, but they could also be a very bad team. So there you, that that's exactly, uh, you know, what 
that that's the unfortunate thing with the Broncos. 2023 season outlook. Just exactly that. You know, this team, this team is just, they can be very good. They can be very good if Russell Wilson plays to his capabilities. This team can be very good if they all play to their capabilities. It's just, to me, they're, first off, they're in a very rough division. Um, They are in the AFC, which is a very rough conference. And they're already, like, I really do have them as a, you know, uh, as the third place team in this division. What are the odds? So they're over under is eight and a half. I like them at eight. Um, to win the division, they're plus 600. That's third best. Um, they're plus 3,000 to win the AFC. That's 11th best. And they're plus 186 to make the playoffs. That's 23rd. So Vegas doesn't even think that they're going to make the playoffs. So that's there. Kansas City Chiefs. Off-season grade. A B. Uh, obviously, navigating the salary cap with the huge contracts that they have with Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones is not easy, uh, but the Chiefs made it work. So that's where, you know, this team just makes it work, basically. NFL draft recap. Uh, in the draft, the Chiefs, they weren't flashy. They didn't do anything sexy with their first pick, um, but they targeted some fascinating Projects to say the least. Rishi Rice has some nice tape. I will say that at SMU and now goes to obviously Andy Reid to see what he can really become on the the NFL level. While Wanya Morris represents the third project, I guess again a project you should say um, tackle the team has drafted in recent years. So. These are interesting guys that, you know, their draft, it was interesting to see what they're going to do and what they'll turn out to be uh, in the coming years. Free agency recap. B minus. They elected to uh, let go of Orlando Brown and they ended up replacing him with Jawan Taylor, who Jawan Taylor is a very, very good tackle. Um, That cost them 20 mil a year. Uh, He's only ever really played right tackle which initially he was supposed to play on the left side, but the team has signed uh, Donovan Smith and will likely keep Taylor on the right side where he's a very, very, very good uh, pass blocker. Charles Amenahieu, uh safety Mike Edwards, and linebacker Drew Tranquil are all very, very good additions who can play extensively. Uh, this year will they make the playoffs that is the biggest joke of a question uh, that you can ask when it comes to the Chiefs the Chiefs will make the playoffs if they didn't then something horribly went wrong with Patrick Mahomes and that's the only way that they miss the playoffs contender or pretender they are the contender when you say contender you think of the Kansas City Chiefs. That's exactly what you're thinking of. 2023 season outlook. You're expecting an AFC championship game. 
to be in Kansas City, hopefully, at least for the Kansas City, uh, you know, Kansas City's sake. And you're just, you know, what team is going to be trying to knock them off? Is it going to be the Bills? Is it going to be the Bengals? Is it going to be the Jets? Is it going to be the Chargers? That's the thing. Like, it's the Chiefs are the benchmark. Who's going to be able to to knock them off? And until that happens, that's what you're expecting every season when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. What are the odds? Over, under, 11 and a half. And I like them at 12, so I'm going to say over. Then they are minus 180 to win the AFC West. That's first, obviously. They are plus 350 to win the AFC. That's first. And they are minus 500 to make the playoffs. That is also first. Las Vegas Raiders. Off-season grade. Is a C-. minus. The Raiders made some earth-shattering moves this offseason by moving on from Derek Carr in favor of Jimmy G., which is obviously a downgrade at the quarterback position. Then they also got rid of Darren Waller, but they brought in Jacoby Myers. I just, it's very odd to see what they're doing this offseason. So, yeah, you know, that's why they're getting a C minus. NFL draft recap. In A, you know, they did trade away, as I said, Darren Waller to the Giants before filling that space with Michael Mayer, which Michael Mayer is one of, if not the best tight end out of the draft. Um, they took Tyree Wilson, uh, the fills the, the spot of Chandler Jones. Uh, but between the draft and free agency, the Raiders were one of the most active, but it's still, you know, up in the air, whether they're better or not. Free agency recap. C plus the biggest move. Uh, that, you know, happened really was under center uh, when they released Derek Carr um, and then brought in Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know why. I really don't know why. Garoppolo has, you know, I guess some kind of familiarity with Josh uh, McDaniel's offense, um, obviously with their days in New England. But it's still like, does this even put them in any kind of contention? Uh you know, in the AFC West, let alone, you know, the AFC altogether, you know, uh, Jacoby Myers was a solid addition, you know, to be number two to uh, Devontae Adams. But who knows if Devontae Adams is actually going to be staying here. Um, you know, they brought in OJ Howard and uh, Austin Hooper. And who knows what's going on with Josh Jacobs? You don't know. Will they make the playoffs? No. Contender or pretender? They are a pretender. 2023 season outlook. I'm expecting this to be a very, very rough season for the the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, really rough, especially if this this whole thing with Josh Jacobs continues, you know, and if he starts missing games. Devontae Adams, I think, is going to be on his way out. You know, it's... I, I, I think Derek Carr is actually a good quarterback. So I don't know why moving on from him was, you know, deemed a good move for the Raiders. I think the Saints got better, you know, getting Derek Carr. So that's that. But 
you know, all together, I just, I laugh when it comes down to this. So what are the odds over under wins? Six and a half. I say under, uh, will they make the playoffs? Their numbers are plus three ninety. Their numbers to win the AFC is plus fifty five hundred, which is thirteenth best. And then to win the division is just that's out of the question. That's seventeen hundred. NFC West, Seattle Seahawks off season grade. We give them an A. Seattle deserves credit, obviously, for what they did with Geno Smith, obviously bringing them back in, but just the fact that they were able to do what they did last year with Geno Smith and what Geno Smith was able to do last year with a team that, you know, was thought to be in a rebuild because of, you know, getting rid of Russell Wilson. So the fact that they they played well, I mean, what they did was – that came out of nowhere, you know, you got to give them credit. NFL draft recap. A, uh, with their top two picks, the, the draft, uh, the Seahawks drafted the number one cornerback and number one receiver in Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith Najiba, respectively, uh, running back Zach Charbonnet, uh, in the second round raised eyebrows given they have obviously K nine. Um, but now the team has one of the better, you know, backfields, especially if, you know, Zach Charbonnet actually plays very well. This could be one of the best, if not the best, um, running back tandem. Free agency recap. B plus the Seahawks, you know, obviously enjoyed the best free agents period of the teams in the NFC West. Um, they made some key signings to improve the offensive line and front seven. Evan Brown was added to uh, replace the uh, retired Austin Blythe, which kind of seems like an upgrade, obviously. Uh, however, the biggest signings were Draymond Jones and Bobby Wagner to, to bolster that middle of the uh, the defense. Wagner's old, but you know it it happens to be coming. You know he happens to be coming off of his best year, or at least coming off a great year, to be honest with you. Uh, and he's familiar with the Seahawks, basically. So it's just, it was a good move. Um, it also should be noted that the Seahawks didn't lose anyone of significance that they they didn't replace. Blythe, obviously, some defensive linemen, and um, linebacker Cody Barton all departed, but Seahawks, they found you know, substitutes. And actually a lot of them are upgrades. So that was, you know, I give them, I I commend them for what they did in free agency. Will they make the playoffs? I think they actually will this year. Um, I I think it's, it's going to be a fun year for Seattle again, but you know, is Geno Smith going to be back to what he was last year? Contender or pretender? I have them as a contender as in a playoff team. So, yes, I think they're going to make the playoffs. 2023 season outlook. The biggest question surrounding this team is can Geno Smith replicate his first half? You know, they started 6-3. and three. They were surprising in that first half. You know, then Seattle went 3-5 and five the rest of the way. And Geno threw seven interceptions of his 11 in those final 11 games. And another one in the playoffs. Uh, so Gino, along with Pete Carroll, will try to get you know 
a full season of that first half that they had of Geno Smith and the Seahawks, and that's what they're hoping. What are the odds? Over under eight and a half wins. I have them at nine. I'll give them a nine and eight season again, and I have them sneaking into the playoffs. Plus 200 to win the division, plus 1,300 to win the NFC, which is sixth best, and minus 122 to make the playoffs, which is 12th best. Los Angeles Rams. Off-season grade. C. Uh, there was a sigh of relief, a little bit of that relief that Sean McVay did not move on, you know, like a lot of people thought he was going to. Um, he stuck around. Um, they made some tough personnel decisions. Uh, they The Rams lost a lot of key players. Jalen Ramsey, Bobby Wagner, Nick Scott, Leonard, uh, Leonard Floyd, you know, they, they're looking to, to find it's like, I don't know. They, they, you know, they, they were just an older team. Like this is what we expected. They went, they went on that little tear to win the Super Bowl. They went on a, a, a signing spree, spend all this money on all these kind of veteran type of players and now, like, this is what you're seeing. You're you're going to be getting rid of those guys because either they're retiring or they're just old now. And that's what you're seeing. You know, they're, they're left with Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, and Aaron Donald. And I don't see Matt Stafford playing past this year, to be honest with you. I think this is going to be his last year. But they have a lot of inexperienced players and rookies around them that it's like, mm, well, you know, Cooper Cup was hurt all year last year. Matt Stafford was hurt all year last year, ended up missing most of the season. You know, it's just this is this is what you get. You know, you like you traded, you know, a couple of years for that one year to win the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. So you gotta commend them for that. But that's that's what you get. <laughs> you know, that's what you get. It's the same thing that happened with Seattle. It was gonna get to a point where Seattle was gonna have to start dishing out a lot of money. Therefore, they were going to have to get rid of a bunch of people. And they did. And look what happened. NFL draft recap. A minus. Their biggest move in free agency was trading away Jalen Ramsey. um, And not for, you know, a great hole in return. But it left the team with a difficult draft needing a lot of contributors despite no first round selection. They ended up uh, drafting 14 times. And uh, several of those players should see, you know, significant significant playing time this year you know Steve Avila could be a day one starting guard while Byron Young and Kobe Turner should both uh, feature plenty on the defensive line right away edge rusher Nick Hampton receiver Puka Nukua and cornerback uh, Travius Hodges Tomlinson could all see snaps sooner rather than later this is like this is what we're saying the team is going to have to play a lot of these younger guys because that's that's the best you got. And you know they added Stetson Bennett, but Stetson Bennett is older uh, is an older guy already. You know, he was an older college player. So, yes, he won back-to-back championships, but is he going to be the guy to take over for Matt Stafford next year? I don't know. Like that's you know, that's obviously uh that up for debate. Free agency recap. D+ uh, none of the players that the Rams added or retained in free agency or a trade feel like big pieces. 
Um, they're just counting on Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald uh, returning to full health uh, and hopefully getting an improved performance uh, from last year. Will they make the playoffs? No. Contender or pretender? They are a pretender because they are a very aging team. They're old or they're really, really young that they're just not going to make that big of a difference. 2023 season outlook. Although this team this year may surpass the worst season by a defending Super Bowl champion with five wins, um, I don't think it will be... I don't think it'll really be by much. Uh, Some may say it's a full rebuild. It's not a full rebuild in LA, but just a remodel. But sometimes I feel a remodel is worse uh, because you're not good enough to compete for a Super Bowl, which they aren't, but you won't be as bad as the worst team. So then you just kind of miss out on the higher draft picks, you know, AKA the, the top two quarterbacks, which they'll end up needing. Um, they have some great players in Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, and Matthew Stafford. Uh, injuries played a huge role last year, but still this team is in need of a full rebuild rather than a remodel. What are the odds? Over under is six and a half wins. I have them at six wins. Uh, plus 1,000 to win the division, plus 2,500 to win the NFC, which is 14th best, and plus 285 to make the playoffs, which is 26th best. Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray may not even start this season, let alone end up maybe even playing the season. We have no idea. Um, They have a new coach, new GM. They got rid of DeAndre Hopkins. There's questions still surrounding Buda Baker. Marlon Mack just tore his uh, his Achilles, um, so he's out for the season. So a lot of rough things are happening in Arizona. Off-season grade. B minus. As I said, new regime in Arizona. Went about things in a very different way to the old one and through free agency was a little low on star power or impact signings. The Cardinals made up for it with a, uh, a very, very good draft. And we'll talk about that now. NFL draft recap. B plus they exploited Houston's desperation to trade back into the first round um, and still picked up a player that they wanted in Paris Johnson. Uh, While acquiring a first-round pick next year as part of that deal, the next three picks they had on day two should each contribute. They have Clayton Toon. Um, He's been one of the most accurate passers in the nation over the past couple of years. Arizona may not see the biggest impact from this offseason, but they set themselves up, you know, for the future. you know, for this franchise. Free agency recap. I give them a C. Arizona's roster still has a very, very big issue. Um, A lot of the players the Cardinals lost are either retirees or players who still have not uh, signed elsewhere. But seeing both Zach Allen and Byron Murphy leave the building, um, left Jonathan Gannon, you know, the new coach, um, with a defense that is almost entirely, you know, gone of all of its talent, uh, except for Buda Baker. And they might even lose him as well. Uh, Gannon brought in Kaiser uh, White along with him from Phil- uh, from Philadelphia, as well as uh, wide receiver Zach Pascal, who most of the other 
additions and retentions here are not high pack, uh, high impact players. Um, this is a team that badly needs to stockpile draft picks and think about how best to surround Kyler Murray, who, like I said, is probably going to miss a lot of it. Um, it's just, to me, it's kind of, they kind of, they got to look at themselves in the mirror. Like, is Kyler Murray really the guy? That's, that's the question. Will they make the playoffs? No, not even close. Contender or pretender? Pretender. And honestly, they could be in the running for Caleb, uh, Caleb Williams. That's why I think you should look yourself in the mirror and say, is Kyler Murray the guy? 2023 season outlook. I'm expecting a rough season, to say the least. Uh, the unknown surrounding Kyler Murray is a huge black cloud uh, hanging over this team. Uh, over an already rough season to begin with, uh, but missing, obviously, your franchise quarterback and arguably your best player on this team, which isn't really saying much, makes it worse. This team will be in the running for Caleb uh, Caleb Williams, as I said, but the biggest question is, you know, is are they a hundred percent in on Kyler Murray? Um, because obviously, with everything that we've been hearing about Caleb Williams, you know, the Cardinals may end up with two of the top three picks this upcoming season. You know, this upcoming draft. You know, obviously, because one of them is the Texans' first round pick. So that's uh. You know, it's going to be interesting. What are the odds? Over under four and a half wins. I have them at four. Plus 2,700 to win the division. Plus 8,500 to win the NFC, which is 16th best. And plus 980 to make the playoffs. That is last. San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy listed as quarterback one in the unofficial depth chart. Trey Lance, the rumors have begun. So that's issue and that's something to to actually keep our eye on off-season grade C with not only one but two of their quarterbacks on rookie contracts the 49ers could afford to keep spending money despite minimal draft capital spending obviously they did the addition of Javon Hargrave uh he'll be counted to counted on to basically take over for what Charles Amenehu, you know, what they lost with Charles Amenehu and Saman uh, Ebicon in the pass rush. Um, Jimmy Ward, also gone. The 49ers shown that they can develop some offensive linemen and appears that they may be banking on that because they lost Mike McGlinchey and Daniel Bruskill. So that's that. NFL draft recap. C plus in this draft, it you know it's difficult to argue that anything the 49ers did was a result of a good process. Basically, they reached on all of their picks according to PFF. So that's also interesting. And they took a kicker in in third in the third round. Free agency recap. C plus. Um, they realized exactly how much talent had actually walked out. Um, they have a uh, replacement or two for Garoppolo and obviously Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. Um, they brought in Feliciano to replace Brunskill and Oliver to uh, hopefully replace Mosley. Losing a Menahue, Emicon, and Willis is hopefully mitigated by the addition of Hargrave, which Javon Hargrave is very, very good. 
Um, but one guy replacing, you know, three guys is, um, then, you know, you look at their, the back end, Al Shazier, um, Ward, you know, being the guys that they did lose, you know, trying to find, uh, replacements for that was hard and they really didn't find that. So that's why it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this defense because they were one of the best defenses you know, in the league. Will they make the playoffs? Yes. Contender or pretender? Will they be a contender? Yes. It's going to be interesting because a lot of people are really high on San Francisco this year. You know, obviously from what they've they've been, but they did lose a lot. So it's going to be interesting. 2023 season outlook. I'm expecting the 49ers to be one of those teams, one of the best teams in the NFC um, this year, but... Like, obviously, they did lose a lot on their defensive side of the ball, which was their best part of their team. You know, will they be the same defense that they've been? That's kind of, that. that's remained to be seen. Um, but, of course, everyone everyone's eyes will be on the, the, the QB carousel um, that they have going on. If Purdy is QB1, I think they have to move on from Trey. I think you have to, you know, as I said before, like this is a number three pick. I think you have to move on from him. And, uh, the newest rumors are Tampa Bay, Washington, and Atlanta. So be on the lookout for that. What are the odds over under 10 and a half wins? I have them at 11 minus 165 to win the division plus 400 to win the NFC, which is second best minus 430 to make the playoffs. That is second best around the hobby. I really want to get into this. Arch Manning, which is Eli N. Peyton's nephew, he is going to be coming into college. You know, he he's going to be starting in college uh, these next couple of years. His one of one card just sold with Panini. He he signed a a deal with Panini. They came out with his one of one. They auctioned it and it sold for a hundred and two thousand five hundred dollars. The most expensive Peyton Manning card, the 1998 Playoff Contender PSA 10 Auto, that sold for 71998 And then the most expensive Eli card, 2006 Ultimate Collection Game Jersey Auto Logo Patch, BGS 9, sold for $5,848. So he's already outsold both of his uncles, and he hasn't even played an NFL game yet. That's the funny thing. That's that's interesting. Um, Panini and Fanatics have been suing each other back and forth. Uh, I think what's what's interesting about this now, just there there was so many things to be read with this whole thing. But basically, Panini sued Fanatics. Because they feel as though fanatics, when they do take over the NBA and the NFL rights, they feel as though they're starting a monopoly. But then fanatics came back and countersued them basically by saying, you had that, you did that, what is the difference from what we're doing? So... I'm going to try to find exactly to, to shorten this up. 
Um, supposedly, it, it it mainly comes from Fanatics and Panini allegedly had uh, an agreement in place to to terminate Panini's licenses early. Um, this would have allowed Fanatics to take NBA and NFL cards starting in July. Um, Fanatics claims that Panini purposely slowed the deal in bad faith, causing tens of millions of losses um, in for Fanatics. Um, the lawsuit read, Panini dragged out the early termination negotiations in bad faith by slow-walking negotiations for several months and ultimately trying to pass off knowing, knowingly inflated earnings projections that translated to unreasonable high early termination fee. It continues because of Panini's deficit. Fanatics collectibles spent tens of millions of dollars paying lawyers, accountants, and other professionals for their advice, negotiation, preparation, and diligence related to the transaction. All the while Panini knew early termination would never happen because Panini would never be willing to agree to a termination fee that matched its own accurate real world earnings projections. And here's the, the, the craziest part of this is Fanatics eventually learned through private discussions with the CEO of Panini America that Panini itself was relying on a different materially lower set of accurate updated figures for its own internal use while still feeding fanatics the pumped up projections to string the negotiations along so that is why one there's this whole big thing happening and this is you know why fanatics ended up countersuing uh panini um but there's some things that you know you could really that were interesting when you're looking into this whole thing. Um, we won't have any uh, new releases, obviously, this week, but we'll have them next week. But this was uh, this was interesting to see in this whole thing. Um, Fanatics said they intend to eliminate redemptions entirely over time, except in limited situations. So not only will this make the box breaking experience better, but you know you have those chances where you end up opening up a later, like an earlier box, like say, you know, obviously we're 2023 now. Say you open up a box of 2020, you pull a redemption. That's that redemption is expired. So now Panini would have to send you a different card. You're not going to get that card. So I think one of, one of the redemptions in 2020 was a, a Joe Burrow. So if you, pull a Joe Burrow RPA say out of national treasures and it's a redemption it's expired because you're already three years out of that so that's that's what makes some of these boxes yes you know a lot of these boxes are crazy money but it does hurt the you know the value of the box a little bit so now you got to really think if there's no redemptions, it's going to make the the value of the box kind of stay. Um, and it kind of makes it fun. You know, box breaking, you know, I think it'll just make the experience better. Also, another thing that I saw through uh, Eric Whiteback that there was a card that showed up in the lawsuit and it was a uh, Whitey Ford um, card out of 
I guess it was, well, it had to be Panini. So it was interesting because obviously uh, Whitey Ford retired in 1967. Um, but it, it was a, a majestic patch. So he said uh, Majestic didn't start making M- MLB jerseys until 1982. Um, yet Panini said that the relic on the back of the card was game used, which is obviously impossible. Um, so this is just one of the many reasons uh, Panini lied about you know some of the, the relics on cards. Which, uh, to, to a point, you know, like I, I started reading some of the the comments and someone said that it could be an old timers patch, you know, because the Yankees do the old timers day. So, you know, they're they're not wearing older jerseys like if, you know, back then, say, you know, just say in 1967 when he retired, they, they had Nike. Then in 1982, Majestic took over. So if the old timers day is in 1982, Whitey Ford wouldn't be wearing a Nike jersey that he wore in 1967. He'd be wearing a Majestic jersey. So there's that's something that you could look into. Um, another thing was just like because because you know like if you read some of the the backs of some of the patches, you know it'll say um, player worn. But what Panini and you know Tops and whatever they do. When it comes to player worn, it's literally they give the guy the jersey, have him wear it for two seconds, then take it off, and then they cut it up and make it into patches. And that's considered player worn. So I think if the uh, I think what tops should be doing, like fanatics and tops should be doing, is if it is game used, put down the game that there was that it was used in. And that would make it even more interesting. And that would even make it even better in terms of value too because you take a jersey from a big game of that player i mean the value would be unbelievable so there's that but again there's no releases so we'll be back next week with some more hobby talk and new releases but that will do it for the AFC West and the NFC West I'm Jerry B Breezy B Breezy You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on sports radio.